first thing you need to do is be responding to negative reviews. 37% of consumers have actually had a positive sentiment of a brand that responds to reviews. Welcome to SaaS Connect, the SaaS Partnership Podcast, brought to you by the Cloud Software Association. Thank you, as always, to our podcast producers, content allies. They help B2B companies like you launch revenue-generating podcasts. They'll schedule interviews, produce the podcast, and promote it. Check them out at contentallies.com. I'm so excited to be here. This is my first SaaS Connect. My name is Christine Lee, and I have the pleasure of leading a fantastic partnership organization at G2. Most of you already know G2 because it was noted earlier. I think Sue mentioned us, so and you all probably have products and you're looking at those ratings. But I think what is important to know about our platform is really understanding why we exist. What's the value of reviews? And you see, when we look at research, 97% of consumers say that they consult a review before they make the purchase. Now that's in the B2C space. Let's think about how it translates into B2B. 94.5% of B2B buyers also say they read a review before committing to a purchase. And so what reviews do is it gives your customers the social proof they need to make an informed software purchase and to feel confident in that decision. And that is the backbone of G2. Our whole entire marketplace is built on this concept of gathering social proof for vendors and amplifying those social proof so that buyers can all make better informed decisions on their purchase. And when we build credibility for vendors through those social proofs, through those reviews, and raising those customers' voices up, that drives more traffic to your product profile. It drives more traffic to the category profile. Those traffic then turns into buyer intent signals that you can then follow up with and identify in-market buyers who are looking for a solution today, not tomorrow, today. And also those reviews generate content that you can leverage in your sales and your marketing efforts. So that becomes social proof you inject into your messaging to validate your value prop. And then the reviews have a ton of insights you can take back to your product team because their real customer experience, telling you their real stories in interacting with your products. And very often in those stories comes up what they don't like about your product, what they wish your product could do better. And that gives you an opportunity to then take that information, advance your product roadmap, come up with new, better products, come up with better messaging, come up with a smarter go-to-market plan so that you can attract more customers who can then advocate for you and who can generate more reviews and that whole flywheel starts all over again. This is the backbone of G2. This is what we are and we call this a customer-led growth model for B2B because it starts with your customer's voice. So taking a step back and let's think about the larger marketplace ecosystem. This is what I'm here to talk to you about today. We play a very unique and interesting role in the marketplace ecosystem. There's three pillars that we function across. The first, as we just talked about, G2 as a marketplace ourselves. The second, some of you have already known us in this capacity where we are a vendor in other marketplaces. So if you're a marketer, you probably have interacted with our marketing solutions on Salesforce App Exchange and connect that to your Salesforce. 
If you are an investor or a VC, you probably access our data solutions through Snowflake. If you are a procurement, raise your hand, anybody in procurement? All right, so it probably doesn't apply to you, but if you were in procurement, you would be interacting with our track product in AWS Marketplace, and we actually will have some news to follow soon. I got Damon Yi on my team who can give you the scoop. And the last pillar, the third pillar that we play in is as a marketplace partner. This is not very well known. This is actually reserved for the partnership OGs. And when I say OGs, I mean you've been in partnerships, so we're not talking about a long time, but we're talking about a good time. And what you would know us as is a syndication partner for marketplaces. And where we take our ecosystem of 2 million reviews, and then we push that into a network of leading marketplaces. So guess what, the vendors, you only need to focus your energy in driving reviews in one source, and we do the rest of that amplification for you. So it goes into multiple marketplaces that you're on. And if you have a multi-cloud marketplace strategy, you gotta work on your profile in G2, you gotta work on that, those reviews, because that's what we're all about. And today, we've got over two dozen of marketplace partners, private marketplaces, and public marketplaces. It sounds like an awesome deal, right? It makes a ton of sense, perfect partnership. It's been five years since we started this syndication program. And the next few slides, I'm gonna try and distill all of our learnings from the past five years into three key lessons and takeaways. And so whether you are a marketplace yourself or you're a vendor looking to refine your marketplace strategy, or you're like us and you're partnering with marketplaces, I've got hopefully all of these tips will apply for you. So the first lesson that we learned, and this came on the early onset of G2, this actually came through our existence, is recognizing that B2B review collection is hard. Now hear me out, we look at the evolution of B2B marketplaces, I gotta give a shout out to Salesforce because when they launched AppExchange in 2006, like they were the true pioneers of B2B marketplace. They kind of started this whole evolution off. And then in 2010 and 2012, we saw this big boom in B2B marketplaces and that momentum continued throughout. And by 2018, if you're an enterprise tech company, you either already have a marketplace or you have plans to build a marketplace or you're starting to explore and scope out a marketplace. And then fast forward in 2021, companies like Partner Fleet came into the picture. And then all of a sudden, marketplaces are not reserved for large enterprises anymore. They can be stood up by SMBs and be scaled at a rapid pace and be used not just for transactions, they could also be used for partners. I'll talk a little bit more about Partner Fleet and how they're really changing the game, but shout out to Kenny who actually wrote the first code for G2's Review Syndication API. No matter if it's 2006 or 2012 or 2018, one constant challenge that remained across all the marketplaces was this ineffective ability to generate reviews. And why is that? It's because like many things in B2B, we shadow B2C. We're a step behind. Think about consumerization of IT. Think about the democratization of data. Think about digital media. Right? Think about all the analytics we have. A lot of what we do in B2B follows the footsteps of B2C. 
However, we need to recognize that B2B reviews is fundamentally different. There is nuance here. And think about your own experience. It takes me maybe 10 minutes. Okay, 10 minutes if I want to write a really good review on Yelp. But if you ask me to write a review about a B2B product I use, in all its complexities, it's hundreds of thousands of dollars, that's going to take me a while. I'm going to be looking at that free type blank square for a good 20 minutes, and then I'm going to give up. And for all those folks who've ever been in customer marketing, that was one of my earlier marketing jobs, shout outs to you because getting a case study from a customer takes a village. And at the very minimum, it takes 16 weeks. And then you get out of the door and you're met with skepticism because they're like, oh, you fake that. You probably bribe them. So it's a whole mess in getting B2B customers to vouch for your brand, to do that publicly, and to do that in an informative way where it adds value to buyers. This is where G2 mastered it. We set out our whole mission was to inject trust and transparency into the software purchasing cycle. And so we knew in order to get reviews, we needed to invest in the necessary infrastructure to do it. And that's a combination of AI, it's a combination of human touch and a really robust verification process. We have a research and data team of over 30 employees. We have an outreach team of over just about 11 employees who independently goes and finds customers of our vendors and asks them to do reviews. We have our standard review form is 65 questions. 65 questions, not a blank free type form, 65 questions. And the intention behind those 65 questions is not to inundate or scare away the reviewer. It is to guide the reviewer because we know that B2B products are complex. And we got to give you some guidance on where to start so that we can extract the right information that's going to be valuable for buyers and help you through this journey. And through all of that, we require every reviewer to log in either with their LinkedIn credentials or through their business email address so that we can validate their identity. That whole end-to-end -end validation process can take up to 20 days. And still, G2 rejects about 32% of reviews that are submitted either because they don't meet our validation criterias or there are contact criterias. There's a ton of resources that goes into just building that review collection infrastructure we have. And when we think about marketplaces today, they don't exist because of what our purpose is. They exist to make transactions easier, to make procurement easier, to make security easier, to get everything into one nice bill, and that's what they should be doing. So with our syndication program, what we do is we take the load of that review collection infrastructure off those marketplaces so they can focus on what they truly do best and what their vision is for their platforms. But we continue to inject that social proof so that buyers, no matter what marketplace they're on, can make informed software purchasing decisions based on real, authentic reviews about those products. That sounds like a win, right? Of course you would sign up. It took us about six months to almost a year from when we started coming up with this program to locking in our first syndication partner, and that was with CDW. And the number one objection that we heard from marketplaces was, what do we do with negative reviews? Can we filter them out? What happens if vendors disagree and they complain? Who's gonna handle the complaints? Can they overwrite the reviews? Can they write their own? And you know, for a platform that was built on trust and transparency, 
we were like, that's a hard no. <laughs> you can't filter reviews. You shouldn't filter reviews. And that's when we came to the realization that marketplaces and the general market needed education on negative reviews and the purpose for them. Just like life, your product ain't perfect and your reviews won't be perfect either. Let me show you an example. This is my two-year-old son, Eric. He's super sweet. And he is obsessed with these sensory board books. I don't know if you've ever played with them. They're actually pretty fun. And his favorite series is this never touch a dinosaur or never touch something wild and crazy. You obviously should not touch an alligator. And I am an Amazon shopaholic, self-admitted. I should probably see someone about this. So Friday night, I'm scrolling through another book to add to his 50 book collection. And I start looking up Never Touch a Dinosaur. And there's two very similar products on Amazon. One with perfect five-star ratings and the other one with four and a half star ratings. How many of you think I bought the top book in the red with five stars? All right, anyone else? Sounds like two. Now, and how many of you think I bought the bottom one that's in teal? All right, a lot more hands. Yeah, if you pick the bottom one, you're right. It was also a dead giveaway with the color of the book that he was holding. He really enjoyed it. It's pretty much the same one. Anyways, that's the book I picked. And why did I do that? There was 345 ratings on that book versus three on the one on top. Those 345 ratings are from parents, are from aunts and uncles, are from friends. There is comfort in knowing that other people have purchased this book for their significant kid or friend or whoever. And there's a comfort in that. And then, in addition, because the rating is not perfect, I have the opportunity to dig into those negative ratings and see for myself the things that they gave a negative rating on is what I'm aligned to, is what I actually care about. And you know what? A lot of those negative ratings are about packaging or like shipping being delayed. That's gonna happen on Amazon no matter what product you purchase. For me, it was a no-brainer and I'm not the only one. 95% of buyers suspect that you've either faked your reviews or you've censored your reviews if they cannot find any negative reviews. The ideal star rating is 4.2 to 4.5. I'm not saying purposely try and, I don't downgrade your five star rating, but I'm just saying if you get four point whatever, don't freak out, it's good. And 82% of buyers are just like me. They go and they look specifically for the negative reviews during their purchase. That's because we find out a lot more insights. They're a lot more informative when we go through those negative reviews. So now, what do you do when you actually get a negative review? You definitely should not leave it. You definitely should not go and run and hide underneath a rock. Not a good way. First thing you need to do is be responding to negative reviews. 37% of consumers have actually had a positive sentiment of a brand that responds to reviews. So you have an opportunity to turn that negative review around. The second, like I said earlier, there's so much good insight that comes from that negative review. Bring that back to your product and engineering team. Share that with your support team. Let them know what the issues and experiences your customers are facing so that they can tackle and they can fix it. The third is getting ahead of potential churn. Anybody been in sales? I know Sue was in sales. I was in sales. 
if I've got a contract coming up in six months, I would want to know if they wrote me a negative review because I want to go in there and address that, right? You have an opportunity to avoid a churn if you see that review. And then the fourth is you have an opportunity to own up the negative, show up as a company who's not perfect, as someone who is committed to growth, and show how you're going to work on those negative feedback and turn them into something positive. Domino's did a really great ad campaign a couple years ago where they took like negative sentiments from their Twitter and other social media feed. And then they showed how they were addressing that and how they were turning their company around. They want a huge amount of market share back through that campaign. There's opportunity to turn negatives into positives. Okay, last and final lesson. This is gonna be a little controversial. Nothing free gets prioritized. Let me just back up and, and tell you why. <laughs> We're having some really great success with a couple of our early syndication partners. And it was a win-win. It was a great deal for these marketplaces because they don't need to invest in the infrastructure and they're still able to inject trust and social proof into their platform. It's a great deal for vendors because now all of a sudden their reviews that they collect on G2 get so much more amplification, increases their reach. It's great for buyers because they have more information in the marketplaces that they want to choose to transact and research on. And it was great for G2 because it expanded our brand. It added SEO juice for us. And we're like, hey, we should just make it really easy for every marketplace to have syndicated reviews from G2. Let's lower the barrier to entry and just give it away for free. Guess how many marketplaces signed up for free? Zero. <laughs> Why is that? That's so weird, right? All right, let me show you my exhibit. This is my Peloton bike. My husband calls it the loneliest bike in the world. He's not wrong. I got this bike in 2021. I have the good fortune of working for some really generous employers who gave us these monthly wellness stipends. And these wellness stampin', you know, it rolls over a month and then it cuts off at the end of the year and you either use it or lose it, just like your marketing budgets at the end of the year. So of course I'm gonna use it, right? The only thing is that it was 2021. All of the gyms in my area were closed. I also just gave birth. So if there's ever a good reason to not exercise, say exercise is important, but if there ever there was a good reason, it was one, global pandemic, two, carry on a nine pound baby for nine months. And that was what happened to me. So it was December 28th, a good healthy wellness budget that I needed to spend before it expired in a week. And I made an impulse buy and got a Peloton with my company's money. Set it up, it was beautiful, perfectly lit. Even came with a one month free subscription to Peloton classes. Guess how many times I've rode that bike since 2021? Twice! I wrote it twice and that was like last week when I took this picture because I internalized the sadness of my Peloton. So why is that? Why do we take free things for granted? Why do we not prioritize free things? Well, if you're in economics or in psychology, you probably have heard of the sunk cost fallacy. And this is where you've spent something, you've spent some value, and that value is never coming back, never. So if you've got a pair of pre-COVID designer jeans sitting in the back of your closet that you're even pre-COVID, you were like sucking it to fit into and it's not gonna fit anymore, but you still hold on to it because you invest in money in that and you want it back. 
and in business, we call that ROI. When you spend money in business, you're going to have people holding you accountable to that money. When you spend money, you've got your manager, you've got your finance department coming up to you and going, where's the return for that investment? When you don't spend money, nobody talks about it. And so in order for us to get prioritized, we figured we needed to monetize. And that's how we grew our ecosystem of marketplace syndication partners. So wrapping up, B2B review, <laughs> collection's hard. Don't try to do this alone. <laughs> Give me a call. There's, and just like life, your product ain't perfect. Your reviews aren't gonna be perfect. So embrace those negative reviews and find a way to turn them into positives. And then finally, nothing free gets prioritized. Really think about how you pair the price of your offering to the behavior you're trying to drive. Access does not equal to adoption. Thank you. So let's take some questions. Thanks so much, Christine. I have a question about just your last point, total recency bias. But you mentioned that you should price according to the behavior you're trying to drive. Can you share a little bit more about how that turned out in your example where initially you went to the partners and it was for free? What kind of was the model you came up with that would drive the behavior you would want them to exhibit? Admittedly, it's a hard one because we were the first in the market to come up with this offering, right? I think it was a combination of figuring out what similar type of data would be valued at in market, what similar things are happening in the B2C world and how much they would be charging. And then also the reality of how much B2B marketplaces were willing to invest. I think where we found a healthy balance is at a point where it was enough for it to matter where finance or senior leadership will look and see the red line and go like, okay, what are you doing with this? But not so much that it becomes an overtaking initiative of its own. We also looked at things like, is the marketplace a transactional marketplace? Are they actually making money off that marketplace? Because if they are, we should probably charge a little bit more. If we're talking about a partner-led type of marketplace ecosystem where it's non-transactional, it's another area where we look, okay, maybe we shouldn't be charging so much. We look at the size of that marketplace, how much data is actually flowing through, right? How many listings do they have? So those are all things that weigh into it. And to be honest, it's five years, but we're still learning. And we're still trying to find the right balance and weighing in all those considerations. A lot of times reviews are probably easier to get a negative review than it is a positive. Do you guys have creative ways that you're getting folks to review? Yeah, that's a great question. So what I showed earlier was, you know, our 11-person outreach team that is collecting reviews on behalf of G2, not behalf of the vendor. That's one stream. We have two other avenues that you can generate reviews from. The first is vendor outreach. The second is actually through our review lever integration partners. So in the normal operational flow of CX or NPS feedback, you can ask that recipient to to put in a review. Now you're gonna have a mixed review, right? You're gonna have some that's gonna be positive, you're gonna have some to be negative. I think my takeaway is don't be afraid of the negative ones. You don't wanna get into a position in where you're cherry picking because your prospects and customers will see that. Embrace those negative ones, but make it an equal playing ground to gather those positive ones. If you like this and want more great insights on software partnerships, You've got to rate, like, and subscribe and join us at thecloudsoftwareassociation.com. Thank you as always to our podcast producers, content allies, 
They help B2B companies like you launch revenue-generating podcasts. They'll schedule interviews, produce the podcast, and promote it. Check them out at contentallies.com. We'll see you on the next episode.